0: Support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria, that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services, and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeasts and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability, and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, We Brew With You, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Lao Brew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing Co. UK. Lao Brew Verdant IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them. On social media or visit www.lalamansbrewing.com.
1: There's a strong chance that you or someone you know has enjoyed a beer that has been made possible by the hand of Nikola Marjanovic. Following a degree in food technology, specialising in microbiological processes at Serbia's University of Novi Sad, he became a quality engineer before then taking the position of Brewing Supervisor at Apperton Brewery. Three years later, Nikola swapped Serbia for Scotland, becoming brewery manager at Brewdog. In more than six years, he oversaw a period of significant growth at the business. Upon leaving the Ellen Brewery, he'd head south to take the job of Head of Brewery Operations, an expansion at Beavertown, before then moving to Operations Director last November. During that time, Beavertown was acquired by Heineken, and also opened its new brewery in Enfield. Opening in August 2020, the new facility was armed with the ability to produce up to 500,000 hectolitres and to brew in 150 hectolitre batches. Thanks to the popularity of beers such as Neck Oil, Beavertown has only grown further since. And similar to his time in Ellen, Nicola has been integral in overseeing the commission and addition of the equipment that brews and packs these beers. In this episode, we speak to Nicola about his role in specifying, building and expanding some of Britain's biggest breweries, the main hurdles and challenges he's encountered along the way, and his passion for learning, self-improvement and training, especially when it comes to his team. Hello everyone, my name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewers Journal. We're here today at Beavertown's brewery in Lockwood in Tottenham Hale, and it's a pleasure to be joined and welcomed by Nicola Marianovic, the operations director at Beavertown.
2: How are you? Yeah, hey, hello, I'm great. How are you, Tim? I'm alright,
1: thank you. I'm alright. Um, Beavertown's a brewery that means a lot to me. Um, like a lot of uh, beer fans, you know, over the years, um, see the brewery grow and evolve and, and, and change in that time. and. Uh, you know, obviously, beers, needless to say, Nickel, Gamma Ray, Lupoloid, Bloody L, you know, to name but a few. Um, pretty much made an indelible mark on the modern craft beer landscape. And um, I've been really keen to catch up for, for quite some time, actually, Nicola, because your work previously before Beavertown at Brewdog in Ellen and um, here at Beavertown, you know, I can only start to guess how many beers people enjoy on a weekly basis on tap in can, bottle shops, supermarkets, have come from kit that you've specified, commissioned and built.
2: Yeah, well, uh, thank you for reminding me for a, for a chat, Tim. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of our Brewer's Journal and everything, uh, all the stuff, all good stuff that you guys are doing. Uh, keen to support every event and uh, have a chat at any time. I appreciate that, I appreciate that. And it's, um, you know, as I said, it's, it's,
1: you know, we started in 2015. On the first week of, of really going out after a lot of planning got to see john keeling at fuller's a few days before just over there um just out of shot was with logan doing these initial uh conversations and you know it was a, it was a crazy time for beaver town you know as it yeah. always is you know it's um a couple of years obviously after they started this lockwood was still very fresh very new um million miles an hour really
2: yeah but well, i think that 2015 was the year when uh, Beaverton made its mark and became probably one of the most trendiest uh, small breweries in the country. Yeah, yeah, you know and
1: um, the, there was time where I was living in Kent and there was Odd Bins or Threshers one of these wine shops uh, off-license things and you had to put your name on a waiting list and that waiting list was we get Gamma Ray we get two cases you can yeah. have six cans max yeah and i was on the waiting list with four or five other people you get the email scurry down and do yeah. it and then you know i remember the same year bloody hell as well or maybe the year after and again it was, it was a big deal and yeah. it's really interesting because the landscape's changed a lot yeah and um, it's matured a lot craft beer is no longer new to a lot of people yeah it's a norm it's a norm and and beers like Neck Oil are now synonymous, you know, with beer taps across London, the UK. You know, it's um, and I think there's a lot of hard work, obviously a lot of hard work, you know, going on behind the scenes yeah. to, to make that happen. Yeah, I
2: think if you look at it historically, there's uh, you always need to have a bit of luck. Um, but then, uh, supported by the hard work, usually uh, kind of turns out well. Um, yeah. And luck, when I say that, that is an opportunity that uh, arises. And then if you catch it, and you work smart around it, um, you know, it, it brings your odds to a success to a, quite a high level. And yeah. I think if you start with 2015, that was probably a pinnacle when uh, almost anything was possible in yeah. this uh, 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 environment of uh, new breweries, people trying to make their mark and uh, approaching beer as an art uh, in many different ways, you know, from a design which we s- can see what Nick done uh, yeah. in Beaver Town and many other breweries. Uh, I'm not that familiar with all the <laughs> the great people that are behind the, these amazing brands and, uh, and designs but that is one aspect and then the artists within the art of making a great beer and, 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 and making it, you know, approachable to people. Well, that's it, you know, London, there's
1: many great breweries um, There still are countless fantastic breweries just before here today was with Ben and the team at Pressure Drop. You know, one of London's finest, I think. Very underrated, Uh, great people, great beers. Great Um, neighbors. Great neighbors. Yeah, (laughs) indeed. They say the same about you. And it's, um, but you know, 2015 around that time, it really felt like it was Lockwood, you know, uh, here was the epicenter it was, you know, when yeah. there was a beer festival, a birthday, you know, the cl- the all in. You know, yeah. you pay your money, you come, you get your glass. It was the place to be.
2: Yeah. You know. and we, I mean, we'll talk about that probably later. But, you know, I, I think everything for me and uh, for Logan in particular, everything starts and uh, ends with people and yep. these good vibes. And I think uh, if you go across the road in Unit 17 and 18, there's this tiny kitchen and we call it like... Um, a cultural hub of beaver town because everybody will come and have their breakfast or make their coffee or a tea or even lunch and uh, this is where when the team was smaller up to 40 people at the beginnings when i joined everybody will have a chance to talk to logan it was like a one big family Uh, obviously we grew up now but i believe that every brewery has that kind of place where you can kind of interact and and that's where the magic happens in the culture and also Logan, as he is, he created that kind of culture where, you know, he's approachable and I think as you talk about the life, he was interested in every individual in this company. So it was just uh, lovely. And it's, it's, it, it is the, is the base from everything, you know, the excellence drive from that. Yeah. And I think
1: obviously, you know, your role, operations director at Beaver Town is in incredible position. Um, You know, you 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 had to do a lot <laughs> in that time with this company but i think let's you know uh, for people that don't know if we can just take it back a little bit to the beginning of your career i mean you yeah. studied at the university of Novisad. Sad, yes in in serbia but upon graduating
2: there it wasn't long before you ended up
1: in a in a brewing role in yeah. serbia
2: yeah yes yeah, so i was heavily yeah i went through a grammar school and then you know it was always a question what to study but my mom was um, uh, food engineer as well, but she ended up in a career as a, as a teacher. But you know, always that kind of drift towards the science, natural sciences, uh, and particularly through her experience and, 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 and affiliation, kind of drew me that I, I shouldn't do economics, I shouldn't do sports because I was heavily invested in sports. Um, And I ended up doing that. And then the second question was which course to take because, you know, it could be chemical engineering, it could be petrol engineering, it could be pharma. And I was like, well, I I kind of... see myself closer to food so let's do food uh, technology and then it was like what's the major and then it ended up being a microbiological processes so it's a bit different school different different schooling system than in UK more like what it is in European countries so you would do an engineering course for three and a half years and then almost kinda you go it now into what is a master with your kinda graduate subjects and in my case that was microbiological processes so anything from wastewater yeast management, spirits, wine, and beer. Wow. So it, it came in handy because now we have a wastewater treatment plant. So so I'm doing two technologies at the moment that I studied in the uni. So that was NoviSAD. Um, and um, it took me quite a while to finish my degree, I have to say, because I had many other interests. Um, That's healthy. And I, yeah, and I, and I think I was the last generation that had to do an obliga- obligation in military service. <laughs> Just wow. a waste of time. Um, so it took me a bit longer to finish all that uh, until I start properly working, then got a job in a lab, in an oil refinery, and then after that, lucky enough to get a job in the biggest Ser- Serbian um, brewery, and generally it's a bit different. Here you kind of need to make your mark through a junior levels as a brewer and then try to come in. Um, in a standard system, I came there as, as a supervisor in a production a four million brewery. <laughs> So it was just like somebody throws you and it's just like this you you have three weeks to prepare You're going into a shift and you are taking care of 30 operators that have been here for 20 years so So it was a tremendous challenge But I I think that was something always that that I enjoyed in life being thrown in a kind of challenging situations and trying to learn how to swim while While you're doing it.
1: and did you take that position back in Serbia with a view to working and living abroad or, or, no. or did that happen organically?
2: No, it was, um, to be honest, it's a, it's like in anyone's life. It's a chain of events, determine your destiny. So for me, what happened is, um, I was doing really well in the first two years. Uh, I was learning a lot. I, I, I have to say at that time that was part of AB bev or InBev and then became AB bev while I was there, uh, it's definitely be- the best uh, educational three years I had in my life. And also, I didn't have uh, um, uh, kids at that time, and I just immersed myself. I was doing like, I don't know, 60, 70 hours a week, like full on. But it, it was not because somebody was forcing me. It's because I was so interesting and intrigued in what was happening there, because they had the best kit, they had the best knowledge, there was great people around. It was just the right, right atmosphere and timing at that particular pace. And I was lucky to be part of it. So I propelled quite quickly. And then in two years, I got an opportunity to get a more senior position within the. But I kind of decided to stay another year and learn my ropes a bit better around cellaring and filtration because I was focusing quite a lot on a brew house and yeast uh, management to begin with. Um, and then I actually got a job to be a zone specialist in MBEB, but then InBev sold the Central European operation, so my kind of career progress was stopped there. Um, and I, I actually, because of that kind of huge change, I couldn't see where my career was progressing. And at that time, funny enough, to kind of connect the story with how I moved abroad, uh, one of my colleagues, she was a process engineer in brewing department. Anna. She went to a Brau Biviala, and she, I think she met James and Martin there. Okay. And then she came back and she told me, oh, I met these guys, and I checked them out. They do these crazy beers and blah, blah, blah. And we always know how, at the beginnings, the, the marketing and everything they were doing, it was, <laughs> it was quite, quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so just going through my head, what's the next step? I actually just wanted to see what that new kind of... And the intention was actually to go and see get connected with somebody, go and see. And I always had this um, entrepreneurial mind. I think my ultimate goal was to open, or oh, go learn something new. And with the knowledges I had from the big brewery, kind of started a small brewery of my own in my hometown. And that was like 2010. Uh, so what I did, I sent an email to Martin. And James or Martin, I, I can't even remember. And I got a reply. And the question was like, listen, I do this and this. I'm super keen to see what you guys are doing, but I'm Serbian and I need a visa for UK. And I don't have much money, so if you could help me with accommodation, that would be great. So I need a, I need a way to get a visa. I would pay my own clients to come. I just want to come and see what you guys are doing. And they were like super cool and uh, helped me with that. So in, in, in May, 2010, I went to Fraserburgh, <laughs> and I, uh, I, uh, bit of a change from yeah back I on. spent a week there with them and it was just like oh my god so from 4 million the modernest brewery you can find in Europe to our brewery, and I don't know that many people that have seen that place and how it operated but it was just with very little making fantastic beer so you go in and it's like wow are they allowed to make a beer in a shed like this <laughs> but then the second thing what happens is the smell I mean it was it was the best thing and then I, even to this day, I remember trying 5M Saint in 2010 for the first time. Yeah. I have to remind everybody, Punk IPA at that time wasn't dry hop. So, wow. so there was a clear kind of punch. If you wanted a hoppy punch, you were actually getting that from 5M Saint. Really? We, we changed it later on when I started. Um, but 5M Saint even you know I get goosebumps when I remember that feeling and then I was like this is something different I like two of them and what they were doing and you know it was on so far north from if you put the if you put a a, a point in my hometown and you draw a circle around it you catch a bit of Portugal Aberdeen and then you go almost to Kafka's behind Moscow So just to (laughs) represent to everybody how Aberdeen is away from my hometown. Wow. And I never lived abroad. So through chain of the events, we we, kind of agreed that I will move to uh, Scotland. And naively, I agreed with my wife. I was married at the time. Should we do it? Should we try it? And always the intention was to go to a short period of time, so maybe two years. And then one thing over there led to another. And, uh, you know, the whole story and what we've done at that time was so good and they took good care of me at the beginning, yeah. and and you know helped me, gave me you know I thrive when somebody gives me a a yeah. space to do my own thing, and and I think I complemented their skill sets, and Martin and I did yeah. and worked really well to be uh, at the beginning and throughout the years, um, and you know he was extremely creative, I was extremely the doer, and you know taking care of the team and the yeah. people and building that, so. I think we did well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean,
1: what was the uh, the scale of the projects that you were involved in there? Because, I mean, it was no, no. Me, no mean feat, the, the, yeah. the way that BrewDog grew in that uh, six and a yeah. bit years. I, I you... think
2: my first project was in my big brewery. Um, and, you know, it's 900 hectolitre brew houses, two running in parallel. Uh, and. The, the older brew house which had a G.E.A. Hoopman kit, um, the steam jackets were damaged and a lot of condensate was leaking. So my first project was changing steam jackets on a G.E.A. kit, on a 900 uh, hectoliter mesh done um, with a that <laughs> right. stuff. Uh, and so it was, it was, it was kind of an interesting project. So that was the first time that I've seen what a big project is actually, um, and then at Brewdog when I came, it was Fraser hmm. It was like the, the big steel vats. They were designed to be a brew house. Uh, it's, it was it's, it was below average. It was it was making a wart on something that is not designed to do that. <laughs> uh, so a lot of difficulties. But I think I have to mention Stuart Bowman, who was definitely the the the, the strongest. I think culturally uh, and, and uh, you know technically at that time when I came, I learned so much from him. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if he's now in distilling and, and, and far away from brewing, but that's probably one of the most influential people that i worked with in my life, um, incredible human. Um, so we were doing crazy stuff and then I was trying to improve the planning, the way how we do things, how we move the stuff around. And you know, to say that I was pretty weak in packaging uh, when I joined, I was quite strong in brewing, but quite weak in packaging. Um, so I had to learn as well. You know, how how do you do that on a small scale? How the small cagerator work? How does the packaging line work? With you know, with the team because I was not part of the commissioning. But because the momentum was there, and you know, James knows how to push business forward. We um, we quite quickly, I think in a year, started negotiating around uh, stuff where and how to build the new brewery. I think the first design that they had in their head and presented to me even before I came was one thing, and then it ended up to be uh, a brewery in Allen. And I always thought when we were doing that, we we're going to create something that will be up to 100, 200, maybe 300, thousand hectoliters. And, you know, you'll Guys know the story, you know what they've done over there, um, and and it's it's crazy. Now it's 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 probably at the level of uh, just shoulder to shoulder with uh, tenants. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So it's probably Indeed. second biggest brewery in wow. Scotland at the moment, wow. and one of the biggest in this country. With bars and restaurants and pubs all over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what,
1: um, what led you to to London? Because you did six
2: or so years uh, uh, yeah. With yeah but, but yeah both of my kids were born they're little Aberdonians. <laughs> <laughs> so a serbian kids born in scotland living in london now yeah do they have a sports Best team yeah so, uh, yeah i mean we've done like both of them are huge supporters of tottenham because we built a little brewery over okay, there and uh, i got fond all with all the 11. club and i was never a big football fan but I started supporting spurs um yeah uh yeah I hope they will do better this year. Well, yeah, <laughs>
1: I mean, they, they, they started well. You know, it's a long old season, yeah. but um, yeah, it's a lot to do. But you know, coming from working for big business back home in Serbia yeah. to then that that growth trajectory, yeah, at BrewDog, um, it must have been a an enticing project, but also one that really needed to appeal yeah, to so, you.
2: To, so to, yeah, so the the thing at BrewDog to mention maybe is that. We did some contract brewing along the way, so I learned a bit how that's done. We built a new brewery, and then because we didn't have a huge budget like we did when we were building Enfield here, um, B-World, where I could kind of put everything in place from A to Z, um, over there we invested heavily in a brew house and then we used the equipment that we had. We naively bought a centrifuge that was not 100% designed. We promised they will be designed for. Um, and then we implemented the filter. I mean, we all now know and seeing what we do, do at Beaver Town that you can produce a pretty bright, not completely bright, but you know, consistently bright beers without a filter. Uh, but filtration was kind of, if you look at the West Coast momentum in U.S. and what BrewDog started with, it was always part of the process. Uh, and I was quite happy that we kind of stayed away after, after, afterwards, so drifting away from original question. But Cellar was being built as we were generating revenue and cash and had um, an ability to invest in it. So Cellar, I was building kind of with the team, little by little always trying to improve then you know it, it, it was it, it was like that just uh, I have a proposal marketing it, and then we move forward um, so and and that was nice so it was a, a good bottling packaging line and a good brew house and then you know find a way how you do the middle which was the seller yeah. Where now the seller over there same as the world, is quite modern and fully automatic so yeah, that, 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 that's how I learned, uh, you wow. know, one step at a time, yeah. you know, you get yeah. a few hundreds of thousands of pounds to spend on a kit and you try to find a way what's the best way to uh, spend that money. And then,
1: you know, fast forward, uh, you know, months, years, maybe, and um, we joined Beaver Town. And yeah. then shortly after that, you know, the one of the biggest sort of seismic shifts, I suppose, in, in the world of, of craft beer was, you know growing out of Tottenham Hale, which was already a, a big space in, in the world of craft beer, but also to, to build this fantastic new um, Enfield facility. And then obviously with that came the announcement um, about the minority state that Heineken took. So yeah. it must have been a really interesting, exciting time to be in your position, being asked yeah. to play a role in specifying, commissioning and building this, huge new site
2: yeah I I I knew Logan and Jen from before Um, I had a good relationship with uh, them we didn't kind of see each other often but I remember they were at at the brewery once in Scotland and they wanted to see the kit and how we do stuff Um, and so yeah, I inherited what was here, first project was Lockwood, how we optimized that mm-hmm. and how we set up the contract brewing because there was only so much we could do here. So our first contract brewer was Red Church mm-hmm. uh, and that was kind of a joint venture where we kind of invested a bit in their kit for in order for them to have a space to brew for us. But they had a quite similar brew houses here so we could kind of replicate what we do quite easily and you know I have to say you know it was challenging and you know it's always tough when somebody else needs to make your beer but I think throughout the years we've we've done a lot of that and um, again it comes to people you know you come into somebody else's almost house that's the brewery you know I have this saying you know there's 200 brewers 300 opinions (laughs) so it's it's hard to get away with yourself sometimes in the brewery, you know. if somebody else steps in and tells yeah, you how to do course, stuff. Course. So kind of it's, it's, a, it's a collaboration. You need to let the brewmaster at that brewery do their thing. But then again, you need to protect how you evaluate what is the yeah. success of your own beer. And, and it's, it's not easy, but it's possible. And, and um, I think that the other thing is that I don't know what it is with NetCoil, but it's, it's, it's not as difficult, for example, as gamma to replicate in a different in on a different is k- quite quite tough I have to say so we 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 needed some time to adjust the gamma ray from uh, Lockwood with the gamma ray at, yeah. at, at, at Anfield um so so yeah that that that, that was the that, that was the first thing but um yeah how I I joined I was I started talking to Logan I think he was out for a head brewer and I gave him a call at one point I said like do you know what i'm i'm not a head brewer you know i'm this it's it's different it's you know more senior it captures everything and uh, i'm generally not a brewer i generally build the breweries yes, uh, yes. so i give an ultimate flexibility to brewers uh, because that was kind of always the momentum that i have and i build the structure around it so that we can create uh, great beers so was always my big focus was quality mm. sensory program. Um, I initiated a lot of that at uh, BrewDog as well. And I think, you know, it, it, at BrewDog and even now, I, I always tend to work with uh, Bill Simpsons and Roxa uh, uh, yep. program. And uh, honestly, with Bill, I've, I've learned so much. I think he's, he's, a, he's, a great he's, I think he's an iconic uh, individual oh, within, he's, the, he's within the UK uh, brewing scene. Yep. Yep. Um, and and you know that that was part the, the great part of the journey that you know UK has such a fantastic heritage that you you meet people like that uh, yeah and then you are like wow you know this is like I know nothing <laughs> <laughs> All right. and then then you become a sponge and do, you're like yeah yeah I want to get it so so I'm I'm more like a engineering yep. quality and then I help brewers with guidelines but I always had a more. Um, creative and uh, people that were really keen on creating recipes yeah I was kind of helping them hone that into something that makes sense and then keeping it consistent with the team throughout the production I mean how many people generally report to you now on a day-to-day basis Ooh, I, I think now it's 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 more than ever well th- there was yeah I think at the peak here it was 95, 95. and then uh, supply chain went to, towards the other so supply chain planning sure. went to the other director wow. this year. So it's a bit less, but the thing That's is still great, so. very considerable. Yeah. So obviously, there's very few people,
1: I suppose, at least in the UK, that have been in a position where they can come into a brewery and specify and commission something, a project as big as Beaver Worlds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that must have been uh, a, a exciting, but also huge challenge yeah. to be part of.
2: Yeah, but what I think it's important, this is where I see that I'm a bit lucky, you know, <laughs> because I, I now had one, I had two uh, opportunities to kind of create and build a brewing space uh, to a quite a modern level. Um, so twice in Scotland and, mm. and this big project here and also establishing how things are done in Lockwood to a better way. but. B-World was great because of the investment. We had the money to do it right. Yeah. Uh, but also, I knew that we had a really good position because it's, a, it's to become the biggest brewery in London. It is probably at the time the, the, the funkiest brand out there in many ways. Uh, so everybody, and, and also Heineken Investment, if you look at it, that, that is all attracting suppliers to really strongly want that project yeah. and i think through the process you see who actually wants to work with you the most because i think all of these big uh, m- manufacturers of uh, brewing equipment um, i mean fortunately for germans but unfortunately for the rest of the world usually it is from germany uh, uh, and and all of them have fantastic uh, representation in the uk we've we've Came to uh, choose Crohn's uh, for the brewing kit, um, and I think they have the best um, energy recovery system in a brew house. Um, they still have a patent for that, um, yeah. uh, and and I was happy that we could work with them. Uh, and And they're they're quite good and, and have new programs in in, in creating really modern uh, sellers And they helped us with our designs as well. And this is what I will come come to next. And then. The packaging was always kind of battling between Cronus and KHS, we, and we and, and some other suppliers because we do a lot of kegs And Cronus actually has partnering companies that do kegging with, and they do big projects. But then, fortunately for us, we managed to uh, agree with KHS, which are you know world class in both kegging and canning. And I think at that size, what we needed, they uh, at the time, and I, I probably still have the the, the best uh, solution. Uh, so, so, you know, we, we were lucky to to be able to negotiate well, get the price uh, to, to the level where we can afford it and enough money to buy it. So, so we started quite well off. Brewhouse and packaging were equipped from the pretty much they want to do a lot. Um, depends how much you push your assets, but as a company we we, we kind of draw the line that we want to be as ethical as possible so we don't do more than eight hour shifts for our guys, and we try to build a system where we don't go into nights and we try not to work weekends. Um, Unfortunately, it works for the majority, but not for for all functions. Uh, But then again, we created a program, how we allow people to uh, recover after those shifts. So we created uh, a really unique, there was a lot of betting while creating Beaverworld in a cellar or some knowledge that I brought from Scotland where we were building there and then push that to another limit. And we have a fantastic uh, head of engineering here, Jacob Davis, who, you know, I'm trying to help him now rather than uh, he was, he was <laughs> probably helping me out when yeah. we were building the first brewery. But he owns that place and he knows every little Amazing. thing and how it works. So I think the testament to that is our latest expansion was four 1200 hectolitre tanks which kind of brings the volume 30 per, 33% almost up at uh, Enfield. And he did it all. He managed the whole process. Wow. I helped him throughout negotiation only and some process design, but he kind of created the whole process, managed the whole project and worked really closely with the brewing team. And there's more than one person that was involved. And, you know, I've, I've kind of let them do it no, in sure. a sense, not because I didn't want to do it, but because I had a full confidence and... They did it three weeks uh, ahead of schedule, and three tanks are full of neck oil. And the first one was filtered yesterday. Wow! <laughs> I mean, I say filtered, but it was. Uh, yeah. we, we called call that line filtration line, but it's just separation.
1: So, can you give us a few ballpark figures on on the amount of beer that the Enfield site can? Yes, can it's a hundred
2: and fifty hectoliter uh, five vessel brew house. Uh, it's a wet milling system, and we decided to go for wet milling because we plainly do mainly do a quite pale base for our beers. We want hops to shine. And even with our lagers, um, it's still just uh, pale. We, we use the same malt for, for our lager as well. Um, uh, so that mill is more efficient. And also, the system up to a mill creates less dust. For It's, <laughs> it's easier to maintain, and it's less equipment. And the cost comes to the same, I think. Uh, It it was like that before. I don't know how it would come up now. Um, Then we have uh, a a yeast plant. And the the brew house has dedicated CAP CAP system and energy recovery system that is world class, this eco-term system. That's an additional water tank in a classical kind of setup on water tanks in a brew house. And it helps uh, recover all the thermal load where you are taking or giving energy back into a process with water then we have one propagator and uh, four yeast storage tanks um, where two yeast storage tanks can act as propagator okay so for example when we do hazy beers we constantly propagate we don't crop their yeast at that site where here it's a bit different so every brewery is unique uh, so we can kind of you know Pitch the beer, leave a bit of uh, yeast, mm-hmm. add some wort, propagate again, get it ready for our next brew. So in a sense, when we do hazes at, um, at Anfield, it's, it's continuously brewed with a zero generation yeast propagated yeast. Some people call it zero, some first so generation, so however you want to take it. Um, and then the cellar is set of 38 tanks from one, two, or four brews. And now with these new tanks addition, that is eight brews per tank okay so that then moves through a uh, an alpha Laval 701 separator that has a 600 hectolitre hydraulic capacity we run it in between 75 and uh, 150 hectares
1: and for the casual consumer of beer how many pints can you put at maximum output can you put out from Beef uh, worlds.
2: Uh, that's a difficult question for me now. Uh, we well, the brewery when it was built, it was half of the nominal capacity, which was half a million. Yeah, yeah. So, brew house and packaging can do half a million hectares. Um, it's a lot of beer. I think. It's what a lot of it, beer. Logan said nine, 19 million pints.
1: I think it's something like that. But it's improved and, and increased since uh, opening.
2: Nine or ninety? I, yeah. I, I think it was ninety. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, But but the thing is that we could have done with the cellar only half of that. Yeah. And then we. With with this expansion, now we pushed it to like three hundred wow. um, and twenty thousand hectares, and yeah, it's uh, yeah that's what we can do at the moment.
1: And obviously, that whole expansion, you know, that whole project, has come on the backdrop of you know the minority stake that Heineken took, then becoming a, a full stake last year, just over a year ago, but. The team you know that you've had since day one has obviously grown hugely at yeah. that point. And what I always admire about the way that you know you've already touched upon it is that you you allow people to kind of express themselves and and do their job and 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 learn and self-improve. I mean, is that something that's it's clearly is that something that's been important for you since you know s- since your the start of your career?
2: Everything is team. You can't do anything yourself. Mm. Uh, so I, I think it's, it, I always had, um, I, I, I think the line that I always had in my head, and it's probably drifting from even my childhood and kind of, uh, well, what is fear? um sentence for anybody, for yourself first, when you are young, you know, you you look the life through yourself, am I getting the opportunity and everything? So I always had this definition that I like to create an atmosphere within the business and mm. the department mm. that I'm or departments that I'm running where the tal- talent can thrive So create an environment where talent can thrive Yeah, yeah. and, and it's, it's pretty much we've done a lot of work around engagement and uh, a Gallup uh, survey that we've done and engagement that follows that I mean there's one question which is within the base is, is how do you enable am, am I allowed to do my best work uh, every day so it kind of comes in together so if you create that for people then you get the best out of everybody Uh, and you know not everybody can follow but Mm -hmm. if you have a a clear uh, communication strong managers um, good people that care as managers which is the most important Uh, Then you create uh, that self sense of belonging and and then people want to push that extra mile and help you create what needs to be done. So, you know, that was always on a forefront. It wasn't just beer. It was like beer is an end product of of a culture um, and and a great team that is behind it. That's why I say like it was always somebody who was more creative around the beer. So they would formulate the recipe then I would step in and kind of maybe challenge something let them go back and then we do it we process it test it together and then push it forward so in anything we do we we work like that and you know I it's super important for me but I, I mean in I have a really stable direct report like my departmental managers um, team and they're doing an amazing job. You know, I feel like I I told him that I feel now like I don't have to be at the brewery and things will click and they will do the right stuff. And once you get into that feeling then for me, at least personally, it feels like, yeah, I've I've done it. No, sure. Um, You know, and you know, it's hard when. You know, like at Brewdog, and and initial years here, when you are growing like 50%, 60, 70, sometimes percent year to year, it's hard to keep uh, keep that going right. And then people decide to leave, and all that has all challenges. So you need to have few people that are anchors and are and are keeping that vibe and a culture at the level where it needs to be.
1: And obviously, you know, uh, we're acutely aware that you know there's a lot of uh, breweries and brewery owners and, and people working at breweries that read our magazine, come to our events, watch the videos and so on, which we're really grateful for, but not many of them would be involved in places like Brewdog, like Beaver Town, with the ability to invest in these huge projects, but a lot of them will be going on their own personal journeys of, of growth, mm-hmm. of expansion. Um, I suppose you, you've learnt an awful lot um over the years. I mean, what's the sort of one takeaway that you would give to someone looking to make that next step at, at their brewery? Is there any, yeah, any I th- lessons?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, I think for me, it's always, uh, it, it's people. If you get the right people to do the right stuff and, uh, you create this, um, honest and, uh, and caring environment within the business, uh, it will thrive. Yeah. Obviously it needs to have substance. So you need to have knowledgeable people as well, but you need to enable them to uh, to yeah. develop their skill set. But there needs to be something. So you know, it needs to be at least one person that okay. knows what they want and how they want it. Um, you know, Logan uh, was never te- te- technical in in Brink, but he was amazing in understanding what the great beer is. So for example, two of us worked really well together. Mm-hmm. You know, his. His nose and his perception of the brewing scene in England and what the great pub culture is. Yeah, you know that I learned a lot from them, and then I know how to put it all through, uh, through the systems and, and make it work. So you need that kind of collaboration yeah. in between the people, and then the quality is number one. You know, nothing can dispute the quality. No, I mean, you know. Beer, liquid bread. You go to a baker, you buy a good bread. You know it's a good bread. You never want to go back to a white loaf from the plastic bag ever again. And it's same with the beer. So if you guys create a, a fantastic product, but then again, you need to have a skill to assess if that that beer is good. And then we come back to Bill and people like that that can help you develop skills, skills like that. There are many others, but you need to find somebody who will bring you to that level. So people, quality and then, you know, everything else kind of follows. You. you can you can make a great beer with very modest equipment, I believe so. Well, fantastic. Um,
1: thank you, Nikola, uh, eloquently but and um, fantastic words of wisdom. All right. Thanks thank for you your time. Time. Yeah. All oh wisdom. Thank you. rock <laughs> So um, thanks so much today to Nikola marianovic for his time and uh, for telling us more about his journey at BrewDog and more importantly at BeaverTown. And um, I'm looking forward to now, maybe, if I'm lucky, having a little taste of some of the excellent beer that's in the barrels here. So uh, thanks for your time, and will speak to you soon. Brewers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And special thanks to Nikola Marianovic of BeaverTown.